Welcome back to the Bash Mania podcast. Back-to-back episodes this week, and I am excited for today's show with none other than Scott Green. Scott Green was the head coach at Wyoming Seminary of Prep Powerhouse for 11 years, I believe, and now he is the associate head coach over at West Point, a name that is so prestigious, and I'm really, really excited to dive into a conversation with him. Before we do, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Attack, A-T-A-C, Attack. It is an app. For athletes, it's an AI strength and conditioning coach, a nutritionist, a mentality mentor, all in one app, all right in your pocket, your age, your goals, your program. We are all here to level up. And guys, attack is what I wish I had as a younger wrestler in high school and middle school. It it was harder to get trainers back then. And even now, if you don't have the financial resources to get a trainer, something like this can really, really benefit you. And that's one of the goals of this app is to reach more people and to lower the cost and to lower the buy-in per se of having a trainer, of getting help. So download the Attack app. It's A-T-A-C. It's in the Apple App Store. It's in the Google Play Store. And this app will truly help you level up. It's Bashomania! Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do when Bashamania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Oh, yeah. We are back. Scott Green, how are you? I am doing well, Justin. How are you doing? I'm good, man. We don't have nearly enough coaches on this podcast. And, you know, as many great tales of success people hear on this podcast from the wrestlers, I think it's truly the coach's impact that they all point back to as a huge part of their success. So I'm I'm eager to, to dive into your brain and your experience and see how much value and entertainment we can pull out for wrestlers and fans. Quick okay. rundown for yeah. people listening who might not know Scott Green. A couple quick facts from the West Point website. This is crazy. For, you coached 100 wrestlers, individual state titles, 41 of those 100 going on to win national prep titles. You guided the Blue Knights to 14 straight PA prep championships, 208 and nine dual meet record with Wyoming Seminary since 2010. You won the national prep championships twice. That is quite the resume. Yeah, um, had a lot of success there in in, in Kingston. Um, some of those state titles uh, on, on the back end were John Gordon's, and I just kind of picked it up and ran with it from there. And uh, really, really good to to have been there for as, as long as I was, and to, to to have the success that we had there, and to see some of those guys uh, move on and, and and have some success at the next level, pretty gratifying too. Yeah, I can imagine. And I want to kind of talk to you about your coaching career and talk about West Point. Now, before we get there, I want to talk about some of the hard hitting questions. Get those right out of the way. Okay. Summarize for those who are not familiar why Wegmans creates a cult loyalty and love for those of us lucky to enjoy it. Well, Wegmans is the quintessential kind of family owned business started in Western New York. Um, we don't have to get too deep. You're a Rochester guy. I'm more of a Buffalo guy um, yep. for the rest of the country. They're probably seeing those two things as one and the same. Uh, yep. But but Wegmans, anyone who grew up in that area, it's uh, it's 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 woven into the fabric of the cities. 
um, and and the entire region. Uh, going to a Wegman store is, is a little bit different experience than your typical grocery store. Um, and I think you know, like I borrowed this a couple of times when I'm talking about leadership or I'm talking about culture and and things like that. In Wegman's, you know, the the the, the motto is you get our best every day. Uh, yep. And and I think that like that that experience, people who grew up in Western New York. If they go to somewhere where there isn't a Wegmans, they miss it <laughs> and yep. they can't wait to get back there. Um, and people who move to that area or have a Wegmans built in their area for the first time are, are absolutely shocked by, by the quality of products and the quality of the experience that they get there. So, yeah, I'm a Wegmaniac if you haven't figured that out already. <laughs> and it's crazy, too, because like you said, when you grow up with Wegmans and then even if you go on vacation and you go to another state or you're traveling for wrestling, whatever it is. And you're trying to just go like you get so used to what Wegmans can it, it yeah. can fill so many voids at once, whether you need mm -hmm. a quick meal, preparing a feast for 20. It has sure. everything. And when you travel and you can't get Wegmans, you're like, crap, what do I do? Yeah, there, there aren't a lot of things that, you know, um, Wegmans doesn't have. Uh, yep. And like you said, from prepared meals to to all the stocks that you, you would need to to fill up your pantry, man. Like it's the place to be. Um, the store brand is great. It's super high quality, but they, they, they carry just about everything there is to carry too. So, yeah. So obviously Wegmans lover, Bill's fan, fun fact yeah. you shared with me, you worked at the stadium as a kid, you grew up in New York. Tell me a little bit about your background, kind of the one-on-one for those who might not be familiar. I feel like if you follow wrestling, you know, your name, you've been associated mm -hmm. with so many high level athletes and programs that your name is one of those that regardless of when you start following the sport, you eventually hear your name. For those who are newer to hearing your name, what's kind of the sure. 101 on your background? Well, I mean, I think that if you would have known me in, in, in high school, you wouldn't have expected me to, to be still in the sport. We weren't, um, you know, I'm not coming from uh, coming to coaching through my wrestling accolades by any stretch of the imagination. I was just a kid from section six who, who loved the sport and, uh, you know, wasn't immersed in it. Um, but didn't have a ton of success on the mat. Um, but I always kind of felt I had something else to give, uh, yep. to the sport and, and, and it wasn't going to be through my, my physical prowess. It was going <laughs> to be through, uh, through, through coaching. So, uh, my high school coach would say this, if he was listening, he's, he would tell you that, um, you know, for, for the most part, you know, I was a, a critical part of coaching the team when I was in high school. Um, Interesting. you know, so, uh, that, that was something that I kind of knew early on was, was going to be important to me. Um, so, you know, we had some, some, some local success, uh, with, with my high school teams, uh, when I was competing, uh, and then went on to college and again, you know, all the, the, the lack of quote unquote success and high accolades that I had in, in, in high school. Um, I followed up on that in college too, by having absolutely no success on the mat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I was in a good region. I was in a good area at Binghamton, um, at the time. Um, and I, I, I was, you know, kind of really put in touch with, with some mentors and some people that helped shape me as a coach a little bit further. And before I had even graduated from Binghamton, I had taken a high school coaching job. Um, you know, so that was like a pretty quick transition for me, uh, to, to get into high school coaching in section four now, um, and to, to start a club there called Shamrock Wrestling Club. Um, and, and, and really, you know, get into the job of coaching kids year round and, and, and coaching kids to, to go to Fargo, to go to 
what at the time was uh, Fila Cadets and to, to shape their careers at a young age um, in my early 20s. And I've just kind of stuck with it and continued on this, this, this path for the last three decades. Yeah. And speaking of coaching at different levels, you've done everything, like you said, from high school to college. Um, I believe there were some world teams you were coaching. Yep. When you yep. take these opportunities across various age levels, what is it that leads you to venture from one to another? I mean, each each move in my career was was for different reasons. Um, but I think, uh, you know, early on, I was bouncing from back and forth to a couple of high schools, just basically, you know, what was the availability? What was the job availability? Yeah. Um, in, in these, these tiny schools in section four. Uh, and, you know, the backdrop for that was that I was running a club at the time um, out of, you know, a couple of different high schools in that area. It's not like the club scene is now, right? We didn't right. have a facility yep. or anything like that. We were just, uh, you know, I'd learned that early on. I wrestled for Alden High School, um, which wasn't a traditional power, but I, I also wrestled for Clarence Wrestling Club, which was the premier club in, in, in Western New York, run by Joe Rotondo. Shout out Tony, um, Tony's dad there. So, yep. you know, I knew right then and there in high school that, you know, kids get better by networking and, and working with other kids. So I tried to bring that to, to uh, section four a little bit. Um, with Shamrock. And then that just led to more opportunities, right? Pat Papalizio takes the job at Binghamton University. I knew him. I had coached him when he was on um, Team New York in Fargo. Uh, so I knew him and that led to that opportunity. And then that led to the next major opportunity, which was Wyoming Seminary, because I had kind of, you know, um, built up a little bit of a resume when that job came open. And then you know, from there um, back to college and, and Army West Point. So different family situations at the time, different, you know, things went into all of those decisions, but you got to kind of follow the opportunities. Uh, and if you're not afraid to do that, there's there's a lot out there for you to, uh, to, to pick up. Yeah. And kind of a second part to that question, you mentioned that you didn't it wasn't your accolades that led you to coaching whereas you see some of these guys now who if a guy like yanni wanted to stop wrestling tomorrow everybody would be throwing their hat in the ring saying come coach for us it's Absolutely. very accolade driven he's also maybe a bad example because he has such a wrestling brain but sure. what i what i love that you said is that it wasn't necessarily the success you had in wrestling that helped you be a good coach and I think similarly, I was never a good wrestler, but the gifts God gave me in, include being able to do a podcast and having the resources to do a podcast and get stories out. If there's somebody listening who maybe doesn't know where to start, but they want to be more involved, this is a sport where we can all benefit from more people, especially the right people mm -hmm. getting involved. How would you recommend somebody get involved? Because a lot of times it's very black and white. They want to do what somebody else does because it looks cool. Whereas mm -hmm. Coaching might not be for me. Podcasting might not be for somebody else. What would you recommend for somebody who maybe wants to get more involved, but kind of holds himself back because they don't have the accolades they think maybe they should have? Yeah, um, that's so true, right? Like I just, we were talking about it in the office the other day and uh, someone had just gotten a job and they'd been a successful assistant coach, produced All-Americans at, at a variety of different schools. Um, 
and they just got a job in the first line and their presser was that they were like an NCAA All-American like 25 years ago, right? <laughs> right. Um, and you don't see that in other sports, right? Like if yep. a guy gets a football job, you know, maybe that last paragraph is about it, that he was an All-American in college or something like that. They're talking about what he's done as a coach. Yep. Um, so that's, that's a challenge, right? Because people see that and they're like, oh, you know, like I can't um, – I can't get to that level um, of where I want to be because I wasn't a good wrestler. Now, that being said, I think the tide is, is, is turning a little bit. Um, you know, there's, there's more what I would call non-traditional hires going on at the college level. Um, yeah. There's more opportunities for people to, to, to open and start a club. There's more opportunities, man, like wrestling media, it's, it's taken off, right? Um, yep. There's more opportunities for guys to, to get involved in that way. And then some of the jobs you see, like, like directors of ops, that's becoming a very common job. And you're seeing people who never wrestled before um, in, in those jobs because they got good business minds and people are looking at them and saying, man, like, you know, I don't need another version of myself to, to, to run this program, to be the director of ops. I need someone who's organized. I need someone who has some skills in, in, in relationship building and communication. So I think the tide has turned. And I think that's the, the key to that is to, to, you know, just like administrators and head coaches shouldn't be pigeonholing themselves into saying, I need this person to be this role. Yeah. The same side you like as a candidate or as someone who wants to be involved in it, you can't look and say like, okay, the only thing I want to do is this, right? Um, you might start off in, in one position and that might eventually get you to where you want to be as, as a college coach or, or whatever it is, your goals, you know, you might start by, um, you know, driving around and, and sleeping on people's couches and, and filming some content for them. And then the next thing, you know, you've got your own Rockfin channel or you've got your own podcast. So, you know, you're not going to make any money at least right out of the gate. You're not right. So, so understanding yep. that and being able to take different things that might lead you to where you want to go. You know, I started driving 45 minutes every day as an assistant coach at Newark Valley high school, which had like eight kids on the team. That was my first coaching job, you know, and no one looked at me at that point in time and said, man, that guy's eventually going to be an associate head coach uh, for a major division one program. But if I had gotten frustrated right out of the gate because I couldn't get to where I wanted to be and no one was saying, Hey, come, come run our program. Then it would certainly have been a different path that I had taken. So, you know, like, I think that's my advice is you might have to start small. Um, but you know, keep with it, stick to itiveness and, uh, go where the opportunities are and you, you, you get where you want to be. It's funny too, because in my line of work with marketing, there's so many people that I tell, like, go do what you can do very good for free to build yeah. the opportunity, to build the relationship and just to, to show what you're capable of. And it sounds like you're kind of saying a similar thing where it's like, yeah. go get opportunities to prove yourself, to show right. yourself. Cause you have so many people who are so entitled with, you know, I know I'm capable of doing this job. So give me it. Well, go yeah. prove and go. We're in a world now where you, you don't, you can think outside the box on what you want to yes. do and how you want to contribute and like you said, it is not easy, but there are so many opportunities out there. And speaking of you as a coach, so I often ask athletes about keeping the fire alive for winning. You got a guy mm -hmm. like Burroughs or Taylor where they're winning Olympic and the world gold. And I'm always fascinated at what keeps that drive alive and, and keeps that fire burning. And I think as you're watching some of these major wrestling stars, there's ebbs and flows where they kind of like take a few months off to reignite that. 
yeah. and and keep that alive for you as a coach you know when you have so much success and and it's it's where I don't know what what it's like when you have those accolades that I rattled off a few minutes ago, you know, where it's like a hundred individuals winning state titles, that difference between a hundred to 110, I'm sure it doesn't make a huge difference to you. Right. I'm sure you're not thinking about that individual number. Um, what is it for you that kind of helps that drive stay alive, especially when you're talking about a coaching career you've had for so long? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I, I'll frame this up to you in 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 what I would miss if I wasn't coaching anymore, because I think that's the way to answer that question is, you know, if, if you sit down one day, you wake up and you say, man, I could be done coaching and I wouldn't miss much of anything about it, then you're probably done. Right. Yeah. Um, so so what do you miss the most? And I would miss being at big events. I would miss, you know, um, seeing guys get their hand raised, seeing them stand on the top of the podium, no doubt about it. But the thing I'd miss the most, and I've said this a couple of times to my, to my wife and to some other people, I think I miss the most that 15 minutes before practice. Um, yeah. You know, uh, that, that's easy. That would be what I would miss the most. That's my favorite time of the day is you come in, everyone's putting their shoes on. You've seen, you know, in high school, seeing the kids at the end of their school day, where they're yeah. kind of dragging through and now they're excited to be at practice, um, you know, West Point. Obviously, you know, they're coming in after, you know, some rigorous classwork and, uh, and and coming in ready to go and everyone's putting their shoes on and hanging out and filling up their water bottle and just the conversations that you have been, that, that's what keeps you coming back to work every day, right? Um, because those are where the, the, the majority of your relationships are, are formed um, and, you know, um, the people that you're going to stay in contact with 20 years down the line, um, they, they, they probably are, are good wrestlers, uh, but they don't have to be, right? They can be guys who you just really built a relationship with um, in that time. And, and there's other down periods too. There's other times, bus rides or, or, or things like that. But I think coaching's relationship building and, and, and that's what keeps you going. If you didn't have the opportunity to, to, to build relationships with, with young athletes, um, the X's and O's and the accolades, they get pretty hollow. They get pretty stale. Yep. And I know coaches who have felt that way. They're just like, yeah, we're winning, but man, this is not a team that I'm bonding with, or this situation just isn't the culture that I want to be in. So they moved on. So I think that's probably indirect slash direct way of answering that. Yeah, question no, I, is, I think is, it's a good, I think it's yeah. a good way to put it. When I look at my high yeah. school career, you know, school ended at two fifteen. practice started at three and that yeah. time in between was mm -hmm. some of where the most memories were built. And even when Cal moved to Penn state and, and I started hanging out there more and more, you know, and yeah. he introduced me to the guys, I don't know, 10 years ago and hanging around the guys and getting to know people before practice was such a, even mm -hmm. when you're not on the team, it made me feel like an honorary alumni is kind of how I put it. Like you're, you're yeah. in that fellowship. It, it's so important. There you go. Yeah. And I'm curious for you because, you know, you mentioned that some kids you, you form these relationships with. I had my high school coach in the podcast about a year ago now because I ran into him at the barbershop. I haven't seen him in probably 10, 15 years. And he came up, told me how much he loves the podcast. Oh, and great. I was blown away that he even remembered me because I wasn't a good wrestler. You know, I'm like, yeah. whatever. They're coaching so many kids. And, and I told my wife how humbling that was to like, for him to start start pulling back all these things. And when we did an episode of the podcast, it's probably the most fun I've had. And I'm curious for you, 
whether it's moving on to another school or kids graduating, what's the mindset like with athletes once they've graduated and moved on or you've moved on? You know, I got to imagine there is that attachment to keep building and developing them. You know, as a Penn State fan, I think Bo Bartlett, right? One of your Mm -hmm. athletes. And now he's kind of out of your care. You're in a different place. He's in a different place. But I got to imagine there's still like a level of care that goes along with that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like I'd, I'd say like any kid that, that I coached at some that's in college, I'm rooting for them as long as they're not wrestling our guy. Right. Um, and, and, and <laughs> Which I, is going to might be a problem soon. We'll talk about that sure, in a few minutes. Sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, hundred percent. And and we have some, some great conversations here on the flip side of that, like a Dalton Harkins who, who went to Malvern prep, you know, who was one of our main rivals uh, in high school when I was at Sam and there's, there's plenty of trash talk exchange there, but <laughs> like, uh, you know, um, it's, it's, I always say, you know, always in your corner, right? Yeah. Like uh, there, there's kids that naturally, there's kids that I coached years and years and years ago that I text with every week, right? Uh, and then there's kids that I hear from sporadically or every once in a while. Uh, but, you know, if you're in their presence, you walk in and you see them. And, and, and most times it's just like, it just happened again last week. You know what I mean? Uh, where you just kind of walk in and you're back in that rhythm again. Uh, and it's a, a relationship that's easy to, to renew. So, uh, yeah, I think there's, there's always, a, 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 a keep an eye on a, a kid kind of thing. The relationship evolves over time and it changes, but, um, it just doesn't stop because they're on a different team now. Um, and, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, we swing back around at some point and those are the kids who you like give a call to and say, Hey, you know, we've got, a assistant coach position or hey you know like our rtc needs an athlete yep um are you interested in that or you know maybe i'm coaching them on a world team somewhere down the line or something so i think it pays dividends to stay invested in those relationships as long as there's 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 boundaries yeah and speaking of relationships and athletes kennedy and corinna blades Mm -hmm. i think are superstars of this next decade um you've had the opportunity of coaching them izzy uh, Martinez, when he was on here, gave you high praise. I'm curious, mm-hmm. just speaking of athletes, your thoughts on their futures, and honestly, the future of women's wrestling as a to- as a whole, which I feel like is so bright right now. Yeah, um, you know, I think talking about, you know, you, you brought up a bunch of accolades that that I got at at, at Wyoming Seminary that our teams were able to accomplish and, and everything. But I think probably the thing I'm most proud of. Um, from my time at SEM is establishing the, the, the girls program. Um, that was something that was really important to me uh, when I got there. And it was a lot of hard work that, that went into it to get it going. And now it's like one of the premier programs in the country, right? Yeah. Uh, even, even with some graduation uh, and things like that, it's established and uh, it's kind of a little bit of the standard for, for what, so, you know, keying in on relationships and bringing in the right coaches and, you know, involving USA, like that's something that, that'll endure, you know, um, that's a little bit, uh, sure. Having like the national prep championship as a legacy, but establishing something new where it didn't exist before is, is something that I'm super proud of. And Kennedy and Karina, uh, were cornerstones of that. Um, I remember them being in eighth grade and, and Saul kind of driving them 12 hours to <laughs> tour the campus and everything like that. And, and, and I obviously was with them for, four or five hours that day, um, taking them around, explaining the process, explaining what our vision was. And man, like you could tell when they were 14 years old that these these girls are superstars um, yeah. because they're not just 
every single bit of wrestling ability that they have and talent that they have um, is matched by their their integrity, their charisma, uh, their goofiness. Um, you know, they're they're just personalities that that our sport needs. Um, it's great to see them um, with the with the success that they're they're having. Um, so it's 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 a lot of fun to to watch them blossom. Yeah, I keep talking about it. It's like in the podcast, so I'm sure people are getting sick of it, but it's so cool that women's wrestling is building so much that as stars are at the talent of their career, we're having mm-hmm. girls like Amit Elor, like the Kennedy sure. sisters, mm-hmm. to have these yeah. superstars come on the scene. That's what helps the sport grow. And my next question, you've kind of indirectly answered throughout this episode so far, but going back to, to making coaching moves, what is that move like when you talk about what you've built at SEM and, mm-hmm. and for those who are maybe more of a casual wrestling fan, follow college wrestling, what it might be Wyoming seminary is a prep powerhouse. And you go from a powerhouse to a school like West point that is still more in a building stage of the program. What is that shift for you? Like on going from one program to another that are kind of at, I would say different points in their program. Yeah. Um, you know, like from a personal standpoint, um, you know, I had always kind of wanted to get back into to, to college wrestling. I had missed a lot of aspects of it, um, but you know, I had other opportunities. But 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 West Point was the, the 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 perfect one for me because I see a lot of parallels in the institution. It doesn't make a ton of sense uh, because one's like a you know, like a fancy prep school, you know, in the Northeast, uh, you know, that charges $55,000 a year and the other one's military Academy. Right. right. <laughs> um, uh, but both of them are, are kind of steeped in tradition. Both of yep. them have uh, a, a really, a, they have wrestling in their DNA. Right. Um, you know, that's that I think is important. Like you're going to a place that 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 for the most part values wrestling and it's part of the the tradition of the school. Um, now, you know, Wyoming Seminary, getting to the top, uh, getting there, winning preps a couple of times, having a, a top one or two team in the country, you know, for almost a decade. Uh, that's a challenge in and of itself, uh, for sure. Um, but you know, you don't want to get complacent either. Uh, so, you know, when the situation in, in, in my family's life, my kids graduating from SEM, um, so on and so forth, there was no other tie to the institution um, other than my job there, right? We don't have family in Northeast Pennsylvania. Um, you know, I had done the, the kind of life's work that I had set out to do um, at, at that institution. And I just thought, you know, like, guess what? It's time for a new challenge, right? Um, and so West Point was very attractive. I had a good relationship with Coach Ward um, previous to that. Um, I see this as an opportunity to, to, to work with great young men. You know, um, it, it's, there's plenty of other places that I probably could have latched on with um, in some role um, and, and, and gone to. And they would have been good jobs, too. But, but, but the institution of West Point, like, man, like, I remember driving up for like, I think it was my second interview. Um, and my wife visited her first time on post and we kind of drove on for the first time, looked around at the buildings and you just step out and you feel, you know, the history 
of the academy and my wife was like well you're taking this job so now it's just a matter of uh you know like the logistics of it right yeah so i think that was a good draw and it's different right back to building back to 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 you know trying to contribute back to not being a head coach uh which is an adjustment but a, but a, but a fun one to a fun role to play as well so just thought it was time at that point in time to take on some new challenges um that maybe I could have continued to add on to what was done at Sam, but maybe there was an element of, hey, we've accomplished everything that we can accomplish here, right? Yeah. Um, and now it's time to to go somewhere else and and take on some new challenges and keep it fresh, right? Uh, so that's that's kind of the genesis of that decision. Yeah, and it's funny because we talk about Army West Point, and I've got a, a lot of friends locally that don't care about wrestling, don't follow wrestling, but they know I do this podcast. And if I tell them doing an episode tomorrow, you know, they always ask who, and it's funny because I could rattle off all your accolades won't mean nothing to them. But I say one of the coaches at West point and it's just eyes light up. Like West point has such a prestige to it. I was buying some shirts the other day on the team store and it's such a cool brand because yep. you could put West point, anything, on a shirt, on a something, and there is a sense of country pride to it, that military, the, the West Point brand, it is such a cool thing. And, and I'm curious for you what it's been like. You know, you mentioned how important culture was at SEM. I'm curious what that culture has been like for you to go from driving up and, and seeing the buildings to now being a part of that and having your name in the mix. What has yeah. it been like being a part of something with so much prestige? So I think, you know, uh, brotherhood amongst all wrestling teams is 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 pretty strong. Um, but I think it's kind of on steroids at West Point, right? Yeah. Like brotherhood on steroids. Um, these are guys that you see every day. Look, every cadet on, on at West Point lives on on campus right so these guys are as tight-knit of a group as you could possibly come up with that that was the case at sem too for a high school because it's a boarding school yeah. um but it's just because the the, the aspect that that these guys are going to serve together um after they graduate um from west point uh, that they're going to become officers together uh that creates a bond unlike any that i've ever been a part of or, or seen you know i'm um, having not served myself uh I'm kind of in awe of the the athletes every yeah. day, and you know, like they they get a, some say into where they go next and what branch of the army that they're going to be in, and they all choose for the most part um, to to be together, um, whether it's you know in the infantry or down at Fort Polk or or, or whatever it is that they wind up doing, they want to be with each other afterwards. And 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 I contrast that with some other colleges where you got guys living off campus, maybe their class schedule is a little bit different, maybe. We got six guys coming in for individual workouts. They're not practicing together. Our guys practice together every single day. And we have guys, we have 45 guys on the roster. Some of them just know they're never going to see the mat again, um, or they're never going to be a primary part of, of what's going on on the mat. They don't quit. You know, um, they're still on the team. They're still there every day, knowing that, you know, their, their competitive career is going to be limited because they want to be a part of it. 
listen, like that doesn't happen in other schools. I think we all know that, right? College wrestling is too hard to put in the effort and to put in the work that you do in the practice room to not get the payoff of competing. So when people figure that out, they transfer or, or they, uh, they, they, they stop wrestling and that's nothing wrong with that. You know, Um, that's, that's the reality of things, but that doesn't happen at West Point. These guys come in every day knowing they might be seventh string uh, or something like that. And they put in the same effort as the guys who, we're going to be putting out there against Iowa. So I think that is, is, is pretty special. And I think that's the type of, of, of wrestler that we attract and more importantly, the kind of wrestler that we mold. So that uh, everything that you're saying about West Point's brand and, and the mystique of it, 100% true. Uh, just, uh, you know, it's, it's again, enhanced and, and amplified when you're actually experiencing it um, from the inside. Yeah. And speaking of Iowa and the buildings, I want to try to get there in a couple of weeks. I'm trying to see if I can make it work mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks. For those not listening, you have West Point winter weekend, which might be the craziest weekend of wrestling. <laughs> you guys host Iowa on Thursday. You have the right. Black Knight invite on Sunday with Penn State, Columbia mm-hmm. and others. The Bill Farrell's in New York City, 18th yep. and 19th. Um West Point's hosting UConn football on Saturday. Absolute crazy weekend. Tell me more about it. I also understand there's a cool story behind the Iowa duel. Sure. So um, stalemates fans out there know that one pretty well, right? Uh, So so last year, so so yeah, like we want to make, you know, West Point, the the focal point of the wrestling world for those those four days and and the the region, right? So um, man, if you've never been here, make it a weekend you get here for the iowa duel check out you want to go down the train go down to the city watch some wrestling at the feral go ahead got a football game on saturday and then some some major heavy hitters coming into town on sunday but there's so much to do in the hudson valley um so we're excited about that that weekend um we know that it's pretty tall order opening the season you know uh three weeks in but but early in the season taking on number one in a, in number two within a four-day period uh right. it's pretty ambitious but you know if you followed us last year you know that's the mo right like we'll run to the fight we're we're ready to to wrestle anyone anytime anywhere and and that really kind of proved to be true last year when we were out at iowa state um we had a duel with them and they were going to wrestle in the cyclone open the next day. And we're coming back from our workout, uh, after the, the duel, no, the workout the night before the duel. And I get a call from, from Tom Brands. Um, and he says that Oregon state's jacked up. They're coming to wrestle us. They're, they're, they're jacked up. They can't get on the plane. They got to turn around and go home. He's like, you guys are in town. Will you come out and wrestle us on, I think it was like a Saturday and come and wrestle them on Sunday or something like that, the day after the, the duel. And we were all kind of like, is this really happening? Right. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, like just uh, like serendipitous that uh, stalemates was there like filming. Right. So, so it was like a nice kind of um, all, all the stars kind of aligned because they got yep. to caught a lot, catch a lot of that on video, um, which is great for, for, for branding and great for the sport to have content creators and they were just you know right place right time so we kind of talked about it on the bus on the way home um and we're like you know what you know like like are we really gonna not take this opportunity um right is it the smartest thing in the world to do maybe not right uh we planned on coming out and wrestling in the cyclone open and getting guys four or five bouts uh we we obviously haven't put a, 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 a 
inch of preparation into wrestle Iowa. We're playing on wrestling Iowa state, you know, we haven't prepared for them, scouted them, you know, done any, any work to, to wrestle them. Uh, and you know, so like logic might've been like, no, stick to the plan do what you were going to do. But man, like to, to the chance to get into Carver, the chance to, uh, to be able to do that, um, was just too good to pass up. And I really think it, it fortified who we are as a team that, that we're willing to take on those challenges. And did it pay off on that day? No, but will it pay off on, in the future of the program? Well, it's got Iowa coming back out here, right? Um, it's got the, the team like that coming and taking us on in the duel. Um, and, you know, uh, I think, I hope everyone in the Hudson Valley shows up, you know, and maybe they're going to come on and, and want to see Iowa, but they're going to leave army wrestling fans um, if they attend yeah. that duel. Uh, so, you know, all that kind of background went into us kind of plotting this weekend um, and trying to get a wrestling fan something that maybe they don't normally experience is like a a, a full weekend slate outside of NCAAs. I was going to say outside come. of middle of March. <laughs> yeah, where you can come and man, there's 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 so much to do here. Uh, there's something for everyone. There's there's going to be a football game. There's going to be a tournament. There's going to be a duel. There's going to be freestyle and Greco on a quick, quick train ride down to the city. Like, just let us know what you're and, and shoot, man, you get to like walk around West Point too. Right. Right. You get to, to see all of the, uh, the campus and it's full kind of winter glory. Uh, and man, if you haven't been here at least once, you've got to check it out. And this is a great opportunity to combine those things together. Yeah. And Chenzo and I just did an episode <clears throat> on Tuesday, previewing the upcoming D1 wrestling season. And, you know, I feel like a lot of times, I know I pick the top guys to win, the top schools to win. And I always appreciate the guys like Corby and others out there who know, you know, mm -hmm. 50 guys in a way. And sure. it builds so much excitement to the sport to not just look at the top few schools. And it's cool because you're working in those top few schools. You're working in Iowa, Penn State, mm -hmm. <clears throat> the, the schools that maybe the casual fan that I think is the target to build wrestling is getting them to experience more. What's your expectation, not only for your team, but maybe yourself as a coach, you know, to make this upcoming season a success. I don't think you're necessarily looking to knock off Iowa, though I'm sure you'd love to, but yeah. you're thinking more holistically. You're thinking building the program. You're thinking about taking the duel last year to build this weekend. Now, how do you manage those expectations when you, take on such big opportunities and I don't want to call them risks because they're not really risks. It's an awesome thing to, to host Penn state, to host Iowa. And like you said, even if somebody's coming to see the Penn state kids, the Iowa kids, they can leave army fans and that's building the program. How do you kind of manage those expectations for the season? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, those are early, right? So, uh, you, you want to schedule in some, some tough competition early on uh, so that guys can have a measuring stick uh, because, you know, the goal here is going to be to, to get guys on the podium at NCAAs. Um, it always yep. has been. Uh, and we need our, our, our team to start believing that that's where they belong. Um, so you don't do that by wrestling a soft schedule and then showing up in Tulsa, you know, seated like 28th and hoping to go on a run. You do it by, by, by wrestling those guys as often as you can. Um, but building in, in, in other events too. Right. So, uh, you know, we want our guys to, to compete every time that they're out on the map. And we want our guys to understand that they're, 
the same as everybody else um, in in terms of how they approach the sport. We did a joint training camp this this summer down in Raleigh. Um, that that kind of we we were aiming at opening the eyes of guys like so like all of a sudden these guys from NC State or North Carolina aren't guys that are ahead of them in the rankings. They know who they are. They've been in the room with them, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, exposing guys to the guys that they're going to have to beat to, to, to reach their ultimate goals is a key part of, of, of how we plotted out our season, you know? Uh, so, so we want to go out and, and, and provide those opportunities and run to them uh, to be able to, to get back in the workshop afterwards and say, all right, you know, like that didn't go exactly how we wanted to, what do we got to do to fix it? What do we got to do to get you to that level? Or, Hey man, like that's a great start. You knocked off a guy um, who, you know, uh, has some accolades or has, has a, a history in the sport. See, we told you you're, you're good enough. You believe in what we're doing. You believe in our training and now we can build on that. So I, I don't consider them to be a risk at all. Uh, I think that it's just a, a, a mentality that you have to go into it with, um, and, and know that, a process is a process, right? It's, it's called the process for a reason. So if you don't get the results you want in November, trust us, trust yourself and understand that we wrestled those matches early for a reason. And here's the reason. And, and, and here's what we're going to do with those, those results. I'm curious too. One of the things that's intriguing as a fan to hear about, I think is recruiting. I got to imagine recruiting at West point is such a different, such a different, you know, aspect to wrestling than maybe if you were coaching at just an Iowa Penn state, a school that's mm-hmm. just, you, you're going to go to college somewhere. You're going to wrestle and, yeah. and it's kind of a different playing field. When you're talking West Point. there's so much more involved in that. What's that recruiting process like? Well, remember, um, you know, previous to coming back to West point, I recruited at a high school uh, that cost $60,000 a year that, that required 14 year old kids to move away from home. Right. And, and the alternative was free. They just went to high school where they, where they lived. So yeah. I think every situation has its challenges um, and you have some, some choices to make and let's not, you know, undersell the fact that getting Iowa in our home gym wrestling, these, these good competitions that shows a, a prospective student athlete that, Hey, this, these guys are serious about wrestling. I'm going to get opportunities yeah. if I go there. Um, but with West point, like, you know, we, we, we kind of have, and, and I think all the academies, you got some decisions to make because when you're recruiting, you can, you can try to do what other schools are doing, or you can lean into what, what, what makes you great. Um, and, and I think our decision without question is to lean into to, to what makes you great. Right. So you're going to come here um, and you're going to be in a rigorous academic uh, environment, which a lot of kids crave. Right. Uh, you're going to graduate um, a second lieutenant in the United States Army, uh, which is a pretty good way to start out your your, your yeah. career. Um, and then when 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 we start talking to kids and we show them that, hey, you know, uh, I know a lot of people talk about like unmatched alumni networks and and, and things like that. We just point to like you know, the alumni from, from West Point, like Ulysses S. Grant, Robert E. Lee, Dwight Eisenhower. Um, we're, we're doing okay in that department too. A a pretty good network as far as that goes. And then you kind of just get into the details of it. And once you pull that, that, that mystique that we were talking about before off and, and, and really get into the nuts and bolts about what a West Point education can do for you um, and what that service means and what that looks like and, and the details people don't know. 
right? Um, they don't know until they get to an academy. They think they know. They have someone who told them they know. They have someone else who told them, don't do that. You don't want to be in the army. Right. Uh, but until we can get, you know, the information in their hands uh, and, and obviously get them on, on campus, uh, they don't really know. You don't know what you don't know. Uh, so that's that's what I always say. Uh, and then the other thing that's been working in our favor um, is we had uh, a, a great kid, um, PJ Ogunsanya, who got hurt um, in, in his senior year and kind of tried to limp through it and get back for NCAs and didn't look himself. Uh, but but what he was able to do this spring um, with, with uh, second at the US Open in Greco and then winning U23s, um, that's allowed us to highlight the, the WCAP, the world-class yeah. athlete program, uh, which is a major thing for, for a wrestler. We want kids to, to come here, hoping to, to wrestle for West Point, be all Americans while they're here, graduate second lieutenants, and then continue their careers in WCAP. Um, and WCAP, we would say, you know, we have, we have an RTC too, uh, but WCAP, man, that's, that's an opportunity because you're getting paid. To, to, to represent your country and you're doing that by by wrestling you got to bet on yourself because it takes a certain threshold of, of of accomplishments to get there but pj's success and his entry into the to the wcap program in Greco roman has really kind of turned a lot of heads in the recruiting process they're like wait i can do that too and we're like yeah absolutely you know yeah. um you want to move on you know you're not you're not dependent on um someone donating money for your salary, you're not dependent on, you know, hoping that you have an opportunity at an RTC. Um, you know, you're a, you're a second lieutenant getting paid to be a second lieutenant and beyond, and your job in the army is to wrestle. So once we can get people to, to shed that whole, there's a certain mold, there's a certain type of kid only that can go to West Point, man, like the army's diverse. Like they, we need free thinkers in the army. We need, we need everybody. We need people to say, man, I want to be a great wrestler. Now tell me about this this other part of of West Point, not yeah. necessarily in the reverse order. And and so we're shifting that paradigm, we're shifting that dynamic, and and we're having some success with it. Uh, and we hope to continue to build on that. Yeah. And speaking of of WCAP, I had Jenna Burkett on here a couple of years uh, ago talking yeah. about how cool it is to be able yeah. to wrestle and represent your country and also serve your country. So you definitely, if you want more on that, go back and listen to when Jenna was in the yeah. podcast definitely a favorite mm -hmm. episode um jenna has never been at west point i'm working on changing that she has never been she grew up on long island and she's never been to oh west well we gotta west jenna if you're she listening I, to this you, got, you gotta get to west yeah. point she and i have had conversations about it and we're working on that so yeah that that's a must have um yep. i have a final question for you but before i get to that i do want to kind of go back real quick to talking about using your talents for wrestling and you know not relying just on accolades if there's coaches listening that want to be a better coach, you've had a lot of success and I'm not going to ask for your, your whole formula. I'm sure you can write a book on your formula for coaching success, but what's kind of the overview for how someone in your opinion can be a successful coach in the sport. I mean, you got to get deep into and invest in, in the relationships uh, that you, uh, you you're trying to build. Um, that's, that I think is the key. And I think probably everyone would tell you that. Um, but I can't, can't really overestimate that enough. And then I think you gotta be willing, um, to maybe evolve, uh, is the right word, but before you evolve, you have to be willing to, I always said this cause I was a teacher for years. I, you, you have to, 
examine your practice, right? Um, and that's hard uh, because you learn something one way and you're you're 100% positive that's, that it's gonna work. Um, but when it's not working, do you continue to try to, to, to force that in there? Or are you reading? Are you, you listening to podcasts? Are you, are you out there trying to find current information, current research on what works? If you think the kids, you know, that, that, that today's athlete is the same as the athlete that you were when you were in college, um, I'm going to just tell you that the reality is they're not. Um, yeah. And so you can be stubborn and, and say, this is the only way that we're going to do things. Um, and people have to adapt to that. Or you can evolve. You can you can examine your practice, and that doesn't always lead to you changing, uh, but sometimes it does. Um, I think one of the things that I like most about working for Coach Ward um, is that he and I have some pretty pretty different approaches to to a lot of situations, but we have the best interest of the student athletes um, involved at all times. So we we provide each other with some pretty valuable feedback um and then you show you throw jeff breeze in there ian parker a new young kid you know who's hungry to learn we got a great dynamic in our in our college you know in our coaching room uh and you know i look at some staffs um maybe this is changing a little bit but i look at some staffs and their, their staff is just four slightly different versions of each other you know so so how does that produce growth um it, it, that's that's important to us is to have people at different stages of their lives with different perspectives to, to help the whole program grow. And you need to be open to that. Um, I think if you're gonna, gonna be a successful coach. Yeah, it's, that's a lot of wisdom right there. Um, my final point for you before I let you go is that I agree with you in the highly contentious debate that it is states, it is not state. Yeah. I think if you grow up in New York, it's an obvious, you don't even need to argue it. It is mm -hmm. states. With an S, yeah. not state. It's as obvious as never like cooking wings on a grill. They like they have to be fried. So he here's the you know the I saved the contentious part of this podcast for the end. You do not believe in ranch or boneless wings. <laughs> now I live in Rochester, New York. I think upstate New York, Buffalo, Rochester. I think is the capital of wings. There's a reason they're called Buffalo wings. Mm -hmm. I think this area is wings and I have wings probably two, three times a week. Yeah. Sometimes my wife and I like boneless. Sometimes okay. it's regular wings, mild as traditional as they come. Mm -hmm. Where did this beef with ranch and boneless wings start? Well, I think it was growing up in the, the, the Mecca of, of wingdom, right. Uh, is, is, you know, like, I don't know how old you are, a little younger than me, but when we were growing up, you didn't have garlic Parmesan wings or, or things <laughs> like that. You just went to, to John and Mary's or, or Duff's or something like that. And they came in hot, medium or mild. Right. Yep. And they came with, with blue chiefs and, and celery and carrots. Right. Uh, so, you know, um, food traditionalists, uh, you know, you can have some pretty strong food opinions. I have some food opinions that I would think, you know, to someone, from like, like, uh, I, I don't really get too fired up on which type of barbecue sauce is better, Kansas City, St. Right. Louis, all that stuff. Like, I'm like, oh, it's all pretty good. I'll eat all of it, right? Uh, but you can't tell that to somebody who's, who's look, wings are woven into the fabric of who we are. We're Western New Yorkers, right? So if you can't yep. take that seriously, um, yeah, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> and 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 for me, for ranch, like, if you're over twelve, 
and and, and they're still eating ranch dressing. Grow up, right? <laughs> uh, like, come on. Um, ranch and ketchup are little kid condiments that you get to give to your kids to eat stuff they don't like. All do right? you have? Do you eat chicken fingers? Um. Yeah. Occasionally. Occasionally. Not so I mean, isn't that kind of like a boneless wing? Like, I feel like a boneless wing is like a chicken finger cut up. Okay, but chicken finger. So here's another thing that's a, a bone of contention. Uh-huh, I see what I did there. Uh, is that I think buffalo chicken fingers is a relatively new thing, too. Um, for the most part, when you were eating chicken fingers and everyone else who's listening is saying chicken fingers, they're chicken tenders. So that's another thing that we share here. Yeah. <laughs> but chicken fingers, chicken tenders were just fried chicken. And then you had a variety of dipping sauce, usually barbecue or, or, or sweet and sour or something like that. They didn't put um, Franks and butter on them, you know? Um, yeah. So I think that's the difference is, is boneless wings are like a perversion of perhaps the greatest uh, food on the, on the planet. Um, Chicken, like, like I, I'm, I'm, I used to be an English teacher. I'm a wrestling coach, but I'm going to tell you, I've seen chickens and their, their wings have bones, <laughs> right? They do. I'm, I'm, I'm positive of this. Okay. <laughs> so there's no such thing as boneless wings. Uh, now, if you want to say you're eating buffalo chicken fingers or chicken nuggets, I mean, not as big of a qualm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to your house and get angry with you if that's what you want to do. One of my all time favorite Scott Green tweets. Um, I had to go back and look for it because I, I vaguely remembered it, but I couldn't get it verbatim. It was back in 2019. You said anyone not from New England that calls themselves a Pats fan probably also eats boneless wings with ranch. They probably do. Um, yeah, with a chowder. Uh, but yeah, if you're not if you're not from New England um, and you root for the Patriots, man. I don't know. I don't got much for you there. Yeah, I mean, Patriots fans don't got a lot of nothing. They don't know if they got Zappy yeah. and Mac Jones. They don't know what's going on. They don't right know what on. they're yeah. eating. Hey, I'm enjoying it, man. Like, look, you've been through it like I have. So this is a great yep. era to be a Bills fan. And, and you know, like they've done studies in in Buffalo and productivity on Monday in, in warehouses and factories is higher the, the Monday after a Bills win than it is after a Bills loss. Like, talk yep. about you know, identifying a franchise with the city, the bills is where it's at. You'll never convince me that there's a, a tighter connection. with No, there, there's not. And it's funny watching Patriots suffer through stuff that we normally would like the game. I don't know if yeah. you watched it Thursday night or Monday night, whenever it was Sunday night, yeah. when they're suffering through, you know, Mac Jones has a bad couple of starts. They take him out. They put Zappy in. Yeah. No, that didn't yeah. really work. Okay, let's start Mac Jones this week. That's stuff that we as Bills fans have suffered through for the last decade. Like, yeah. It's nice to watch yeah. them suffer. It is. It is. That's a little Scheidenfreude there, but I will take it. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, Scott, I'm going to let you go on on your day. Thank you so okay. much. Any final words before I let you go? No, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk. And uh, yeah, let's get, let's get Bash Mania down to uh, the Hudson Valley uh, downstate. A little bit um for for a western new yorker and uh check out check out west point yeah it won't be long until i'm there that's uh that's definitely a bucket list item so all right right. coach green have a great day we'll talk soon okay thanks take care awesome thank you and the beat goes on